podcast is part of the Podcast Your Scene Network. Visit us at www.podcastyourscene.com. media has an agenda that they're going to serve. I don't know who's in charge of it or what it is, if it's like a headless monster. Why? This is a question. Walking backwards. Walking backwards. <laughs> Something sacred. I don't know the names of the creep songs. Those Running in circles. Just pop in on that play. Sea of glass. The flight and the fall. I love Ozzy. <laughs> I think he's the true definition of a rock star. Anybody else have any interesting stories they want to talk about? Hey, this is John Lane from the thriving tropics of Leechburg, Pennsylvania. The Pennsylvania Rock Show, show featuring the best unsigned rock that Pennsylvania has to offer. 
Hey, it's Bill, and you're tuned into the Pennsylvania Rock Show, featuring the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer, right here on PARockShow.com, MegaRockRadio.net, 107.1 FM, St. Louis, Missouri, AltRockRadio.ca in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, um, XRPRadio.co.uk in Birmingham, United Kingdom, RuderuRadio.com on the beaches of San Diego, California, and right here in the thriving metropolis of Leechburg, Pennsylvania, with our two red lights, BuildTheScene.com. My name is Bill. This is episode number 563 of the Pennsylvania Rock Show. With me tonight is Izzy Bedoya from the Fame Hackers. What's up, Izzy? Hey, Bill. Thanks so much for, ha- for having me here today. No problem. I, 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 for the last, I have a little bit of like a mini series going on here. Last week, I um, spoke to the owner of XRP Radio that has my show on. And we talked about unsigned music and um, how to get your music heard. This week, we're speaking with you about um, PR and marketing. And next week, we're talking to an Australian PA, our PR and marketing person, uh, Monica Strutt. So it's just like a kind of mini, mini series that in the m- middle That's of my, my usual speaking to artists. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I love it. Awesome. <laughs> um, so before we get too far into this, can you give me a, like a quick synopsis of how you got to this point in your career in the music industry? Like what built up to you starting Fame Hackers? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Um, ironic, ironic backstory of how I even got started in music. I actually used to be a private chef. <laughs> um, and yeah, and then that was like a the way that I used culinary was kind of like two ways. One, it was stable income, and two, I was working with um, people that were in the entertainment industry, so it, it allowed me to have. Um, build the networking that is necessary in LA. It's so necessary to be connected. Um, but yeah, pretty much like my whole entire music career first started, I was a and r for a label under Sony, and then I jumped into digital marketing. And now um, I have Fame Hackers, which is essentially um, an artist accelerator and, you know, just to help you monetize your music. Um, I- I'm going to jump ahead in my list of questions um so when when you were working in a and r you know you mm-hmm. were out there you were looking for bands for the label what were the kinds of things that that you were looking for like what set bands apart for you it's a great question um the way that i was taught how to do it was to go on social media and to look for like there's there's a really small disconnection when people think that they need to be found on social media and then they go and do the wrong things on social media (laughs) um you know and and one of my biggest tasks was to like find the artists that actually have real traction and it's back then it was like five years ago um back then it was like so different than how it is now like today you can actually fake a following on social media and like get away with it um but back then there was just like, there was now there's also like a lot of tools too, but that was one of the biggest things was like get, getting really, really good at social media and understanding how it works. So you were looking for like the interaction between the fans and yeah. The yeah. Yeah. And like, not just like interaction. Cause like, there's so many ways to like put bots in your comments. So like making sure that it makes sense. So like, if you have a certain following on Spotify, to translate to Instagram, it's going to to their social media platform um making sure that the comments are real from like real people making sure that it's like real followers um you know it, i don't know why people complicate it for themselves <laughs> <laughs> but but um but yeah that's that was one of the biggest things was just like actually getting to understand how how it all works um before we get too far into it that's you brought up the artist accelerator what what is that exactly? It's a great question. So basically, um, are you familiar with Y Combinator? I am not. Okay, Y Combinator is this 
um, it's a it's a startup accelerator. It's in Silicon Valley, I believe. And uh, and pretty much what happens is once you get admitted into Y Combinator, within those three months or four months that you work with them, they accelerate your career. So like you literally just speed through all the normal mistakes that you'd be making. Um, so kind of in the, along the same realm, w- the way that I built Fame Hackers is so that it accelerates your success in music without taking the shortcuts that people normally take. And then that way you can actually have a sustainable business in music. Um, what What is the acronym for the word fame and fame hackers? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Um, so it stands for four things. It stands for... Uh, something um it stands for like foundation audience monetization and exposure and it pretty much just means you know like as long as you have a strong foundation you attract the right audience you monetize your audience then you just scale through exposure um how, how long have you been at fame hackers i mean you said you were an a and r about five yeah, years ago yeah i started fame hackers around it's almost been two years um it's almost been two years, but I went like full time with it around pandemic time. Okay. Yeah. So going off script for a second, I noticed mm-hmm. an acoustic guitar back there in the corner. Oh yeah. <laughs> are, are you a musician yourself? No, I actually just found that in my, in my garage. I know like <laughs> I know how to play every chord except for F <laughs> or B. Uh, I think it's B sharp. The one that you have to like bar the whole chord. So I get like up to two <laughs> <laughs> um you have a a um system on on your site called um it's a five-day system called grow your fan base boot camp what oh what yeah. Is, yeah. what what is that all about yeah that one that one is actually really fun so it's like a five-day training um uh, i was doing them live once a month earlier this year and it was really cool because, like, in the course of five days, it was just actually going through the right way to build a fan base. Um, it was five days we found how to, like, you know, build a fan base, monetize your fan base, and just very fundamental skills that a lot of the people that have been taking it, it's just, like, little shifts that they didn't know they were missing, but it's making a huge difference. And you see it now because, like, it's not just content that's going I, I had some people that their content went viral last week from a couple uh from the last boot camp and that one was like really cool and it's really cool to see that when people implement these strategies and these techniques they actually get the results so yeah it's a five-day training about how to actually use social media correctly um i i have done many um lessons that I've gone in and read and learned about social media. Um, and I've been using it forever, but, <laughs> um, how, how did you get your background in social media? Uh, that's a great question. So between, between Star Fame Hackers and, uh, working as an a I had a little bit of a downtime. And in that downtime, what I did was I hired um, coaches and consultants to actually learn digital marketing. So my realization was, like, before I even jumped into digital marketing, my realization was, as as an artist knows how to use digital marketing strategies and how to use e-commerce principles, they can sell things online to their to their fans and they can make money that way. So it's not just royalty checks. So I had this, like, thing in my head where I was like, well, they get really good at digital marketing, but the thing is artists don't really want to get good into marketing. They just want to do music. So I, yeah, I just took some, some time off to like actually learn how to do it. I invested into coaches. I invested in consultants. Um, and then I also got a job. I started working with uh, an influencer marketing agency and I learned a lot also working with them in terms of like vetting people, making sure that they're going to provide results for the brands and yeah, it's like a whole new world. I have been on the other end of that. I've, <laughs> I was recently contacted and of course I can't think of the name of the company right now off the top of my head, but they work with HBO max. Cool. So I, I've been putting out some content for HBO max on, on this show. 
Um, nice. like we did some stuff with the rock and roll hall of fame and the Bee Gees, and it was cool. I was like, absolutely. I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, so let, let's actually take a short break and then I have some more questions for you. And, um, sure. what we're going to do real quick, we're going to listen to Horace Mays and their song pantomime and half will and their song good day. And then we'll be right back with Izzy.
So that was Good Day by Half Will. And right before that, you heard Horace Mays in their track Pantomime. With me tonight is Izzy from Fame Hackers. You can see if you're looking at the video right below her, it says the famehackers.com. That is where you can go to find out about the different systems and um, marketing strategies that she has available uh, for you. Um, let's talk about that for a second. How, how can a band get in contact with you if they're interested in, in working with you? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So it, I mean, it's pretty simple. It can either be on Instagram, um, or just through the website. I think there's contact forms on there as well. Um, but my Instagrams is word like I Z Z W O R D. Um, and I'm pretty active on there. <laughs> Actually, I started being super active in like December when I was just like, you know what? I'm teaching people this all the time. Let me actually, um, do it myself too and show people that it's possible as well. Probably, uh, well, that's not true. I was going to say Instagram is probably the one that I understand the least, but I don't use TikTok at all. So it would be TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, TikTok is, is crazy. Like you can viral so fast and so easy on there. I see. Now you make me think I should get an account. <laughs> it's FOMO, huh? <laughs> it's like that fear of missing out. Exactly. Yeah. There's uh there's some some radio hosts actually on there that they they've gone viral and they just do some of them do like silly skits, other some of them are just like you know a day in the life of a radio host and they just pull up the microphone in front of them and act it out. I'm sure I can come up with something. This video thing is new for me. This started in the pandemic. Oh, nice! And <laughs> do the video before that. I did the audio show, and I've been doing this show since 2004. But the video is is new in 2020. <laughs> That's awesome. But um, you know, and it doesn't hurt to have the video because now I can post to YouTube <laughs> and I can post clips on Instagram or TikTok if I had an account. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You can repurpose the content everywhere. Love it. Um, so usually at this point in the show, I would ask the band who their Dave Grohl is, which really what I'm asking them is who they would want to go up on stage with and play with. But since you told me the guitar isn't really your thing, I had to tweak the question a little bit and ask you if you could work with any musician or any artist with the Fame Hackers, who would be your dream client? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, hmm. I have so many like artists that I love that I wish I could just work with them. Um, 
So if it's like the major celebrities, I would say like for major celebrities, I would say like Justin Bieber's team would be really cool. Marshmallow's team would be really cool. Um, the more of the up and coming or like kind of like emerging artists, I think uh, Jake Miller or Justin Jesso. Those are also two really good artists. Um, there's someone I was listening to earlier that I really, really like her music too. Her name's, I think it's Kara, Kara May. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think those are, those are a few that, uh, that, yeah, I would totally love working with them. Um, now earlier I asked you, let me try that again. Earlier <laughs> I asked you about what you, what you look for as an A&R rep. How, how important is a band's or artists branding into this whole scheme of things? Yeah, that's a good question. It's more important. Like, of course, branding is always going to make you look more serious, but branding is really good for the fans as well. So like, if you really look at your music career and put fans first and just kind of like adapt, you know, in like traditional business, we have customers and we have like customer support. So if we do the same, but with artists focusing on the fans and those are like the customers, if you can create that brand and that like memorable feeling that when they listen to your music, they resonate to you, they resonate to your culture, um, they're going to stick around a lot longer. So keeping that in mind, how would a, a rising artist attract, build and grow their following? So, yeah, um, First of all, it's, it's actually using social media the right way, right? So what I usually tell people is everyone gets stuck in this whole algorithms and shadow bands and this works, this doesn't work. But if you just align yourself to the mission or the vision of the company, so like if you go on Google and you look up like Facebook's vision statement, it'll say that they want to build communities, which makes sense because they're pushing out Facebook groups. Like they have TV commercials about Facebook groups. So it makes sense. So if you're posting on feed on Facebook, you know that's not Facebook's priority. And same on Instagram. It'll tell you the vision statement and the mission statement will tell you exactly what the founders or the executive board wants to see. So as long as you align yourself to like those ideals, then um, you're never going to have problems with any of the platforms. And then just making sure when you are growing your fans that you understand who they are and like who your ideal fans are and create content and music in a way that's going to resonate to them so you're serving the you're coming from a place of like serving the audience rather than just like download my new song you know like stream me it's all about me nobody really cares about that anymore um back i'm gonna say back in the day and make myself sound old but back, <laughs> back in well here i'll, I'll use a, a perfect example gene simmons from kiss mm-hmm. says that rock is dead and that there are no more rock bands. And I kind of get what he's saying, but I think it's because he's looking at how the music industry was in the seventies when he got started and not looking at what's going on now. Um, what, what's, what's your opinion there? Do Do you agree with me? Do you have some insights that you'd like to throw out? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I don't think rock is dead whatsoever. You know, maybe it might have changed a little bit, but if anything, I I think it has like a stronger um, impact now than when I was in high school. I um, I feel like if you're looking at through Gene's eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, when when they signed to the record label, the label was fronting the money, the label was was spending the time creating their brand. And now bands have to do the, all of that stuff before they even get looked at. Yeah. So, so I, I really think that he's con- comparing apples and oranges and he doesn't realize it. Yeah. The music industry has changed. It's, it's, conti- it's going to continue changing. Um, like right now, this whole rise of NFTs, you know, now it's bringing in cryptocurrency in, in the music industry. So, so yeah, it's hard to compare it. Like I agree with you 100%. It's hard to compare it when so much is shifting. And the the other thing that, that comes to my mind when I'm talking about this stuff is who knew that Lars was right when he freaked out about Napster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember, right? 
I remember everybody being so mad at him and looking back, everything he said was going to happen, happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting. I I haven't thought about that in a while, but yeah. Um, and, and, And it's like that, you know, like right now we're in the whole age of streaming and right now it's like Spotify and Amazon Music and Apple Music, but who knows, maybe NFTs or blockchain technology could change that next. We don't know. So since we're talking about the shifts in this in the way that the music industry works and the pandemic as a whole, what oh, are yeah. what are some creative ideas that you might be willing to share with bands to get some revenue coming in? Yeah, that's a good one. Um for just like I mean going back to like what I was saying earlier, you know, like the subjectivity of music is more important nowadays. So which is a sad statement, but if you can kind of like be attuned to what your audience wants and needs from like in general from your culture the culture that you're creating and for example like um there's an artist that I was working with and his whole thing was like mental health so part of like the offers that we create one of them was like uh 12 positive affirmations that he likes that he uses and now he gives that away as a gift to his audience so just like not just selling things but like you know having these little things to give digital downloads whatever it is um and then you want to make sure that you're creating offers at different price points so like this is where the creativity starts and and honestly this don't have a problem with this because they're created already so it's just making sure that you're coming up with like different offers you know like there's a, a thing called a value ladder and like if you kind of think about it like in the dentist terms if a dentist only sells their high ticket offer, which is like braces and orthodontics, they would miss out on the teeth cleanings and the teeth whitenings. And that drives a lot of revenue too. So like when artists are creating their value ladder, it's not just like selling shirts and hoodies, you know, it's like, okay, well, let's create these different price points. Is it going to be a monthly recurring revenue offer? Is it going to be private events, private shows? Is it going to be experiences? And like, you kind of just start crafting your offers in a way that it's not only going to make sense to you, but to your audience. And it's going to be on based on their interests as well. So it's going to do two things. It's going to drive more money because it, it, they're going to like want it and need it. And it's also going to drive so much more brand loyalty because they're now going to be getting tangible products or experiences from you. So there's a, a local band here in the Pittsburgh scene called um, Chip and the Charge Ups. And they have, and I wish I could remember the website they're using, but basically it's a subscription based system. Mm -hmm. And, um, like each month you get, and like you get things like, um, an unreleased track a month before it's going to be released or, um, videos that nobody else gets to see, um, things, stickers, other, other, like, and it's not. I can't remember the price point, but it's not, it's not out, out of this world. Like it's a, a, a very, um, very good value for what you're getting. And the other thing he does really well is um, they market the band. Like they wrote a song called the old two niner, which, oh. which is about um, his name's Phil Bork. He played for the Pittsburgh Penguins and now he's a color commentator for the Penguins. So that song now, every time he comes on the morning show in DVE, which is a big FM station in in Pennsylvania, that song, the old two niner is his introduction to coming on. (laughs) So awesome. They've written, they wrote a song called um, you ain't punk. And it comes up all the time in, in the scene. So like they've done (laughs) a really good job of of marketing and, and PR for themselves. Yeah. And um, and what you said is like like absolutely true, you know, like having those those offers of make it like not not so much of a money grab but like just give value to your people, you know, give value to your audience cuz now what that does is first of all you get you gain more in in volume and also it keeps people like sticking with you for like month after month after month. That's diehard fans right there. That's those are the people you want to you want to surround your yourself with. Um, some of the other things they've done, they do mashups. Mm-hmm. They take two cover songs and and combine them. So now they're 
they're getting themselves heard by those you know, major bands fans who happen to be searching on YouTube. <laughs> um, I just, awesome. I think he's very creative. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. Mashups are my favorite, I think for sure. Um, now this one, you have to be careful on this question. All right. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> how, how do you feel blogs and podcasts affect the band's reach? Hmm. I think it depends. I think it depends. I think the press in general is always, you know, their exposure is always good. If anything, it adds more credibility to your circle of friends and circle of people that surround you. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say it's like a huge, huge, huge life changer as how people play it off to be, especially when it's like smaller publications and smaller artists or bands or whatever. Um, so they're, they're definitely good, but it's one of those things that like, you just can't put all of your eggs in one basket situations. So it's a, a small part of the formula then. It's a very small part of the formula. The, like, the thing is that people immediately think that I like, you know, oh my gosh, I got published here. I'm going to be famous now. And it's like, no, <laughs> you know, you, you got published there. You got a little bit of exposure people in your circle see that you're more of a serious artist because you're getting that, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's going to drive crazy amount of traffic to you. Right. You know? So, and that's the part that people don't really see um, or there's a disconnect, but, but yeah, if, if I had to pick between um, investing in a PR agency or even a marketing agency, I don't think I'd do either. I would just kind of set the, the money aside and I would just focus on organic marketing and making sure that you have a good handle on things Make sure that you're selling things and then invest the money that you set aside into ads and PR if you, if you like. But that way you're a little bit more strategic and you're not investing into like an empty, um, like a black hole where you don't know if your money's going to come back or not. Um, speaking of ads, what's your take on Facebook's ads? They're amazing. You just have to have like, like I was saying, like you just have to have your offers in place because if you look at any other business owner and if you tell them that you're going to run their ads for them, they usually have a, a monetization strategy in place so they can get positive ROI on their investment. And for some reason in the music industry, it's not really talked about. So a lot of marketers, they'll, they'll run people's ads and like, yeah, it'll get like good traction and stuff like that. But how do you make sure that you're replenishing your funds so you can continue, you know, feeding into your marketing machine? Okay. So that's why you have to like kind of think about, well, yeah, let me actually figure out how to make money with this so that it can always be on and not just like on for sporadic periods. Um, what we're going to shift gears. <laughs> what, <laughs> what is your favorite thing about supporting rising artists? I think, um, there's a, there's a lot of things that I love about it. First, First thing that I would say is the fact that I actually get them, um, the fact that I actually give them an opportunity to get their message out there and like, you know, make sure that their music is being heard. Um, I think artists are like the most, I think underrated is the right way of saying it, where they're so responsible for like driving culture. They're so honestly, like artists do so much to change the world that people don't take that into consideration. And then they think they treat them as starving artists and then they condition them to be starving artists. And, and it breaks my heart because, you know, we hear it all the time. Music heals. Music saves people from like really bad situations. Music helps people go through breakups and all these different scenarios. Like, you know, any emotion that you're going through, there's always a song for it. So, we, yeah, I, I love the fact that um, and that's one of the reasons why I started Fame Hackers was to actually give people the opportunity to to get their music out there. I, the older I get, the more I equate songs to, to when I heard them. Um, like, Oh, this is what I was doing the first time I heard this song. Or, <laughs> and this one, I'm going to tell you a quick story and yeah. you're probably going to raise your eyebrow when I say it. So poison song, every rose has its thorn makes me think of my grandmother, which yeah. see, there you go. There's the eyebrow. Yeah. <laughs> So, Interesting. <laughs> here's okay. So, 
my grandmother passed away when I was pretty young. I was like eight, maybe nine. No, wait a minute. I was probably like 12. Keep in mind, I'm 44 now and I'm trying to go back and figure this out in my head. <laughs> but um, she loved that song. Like she would lay in, in her bedroom and watch MTV just to watch that video. Like she didn't like any of the other videos that were on, but she would watch that video. So when I would hear it, I'd go running in and lay down with her and watch it with her. So Aww. to me, that's when I hear every rose has its thorn, I immediately go back to that point in time where I was hanging out with my grandmother. Um, and, and it just, it goes along with what you're saying. There's, there are songs that, you know, there's a song for everything. Um, and there's, um, a local band who um, hasn't been together for a while. They were called Cage, K-A-J. Um, and they have a song called Bombs. And they, members of their band, I used to do this show live in my living room, and the bands would come in and play. And we oh, would st- cool. stream it directly to, to um, streaming radio stations. But then I had kids. And <laughs> that, that changed everything. Um, at first, that. I had a son, and for the first two years of his life, we, we kept doing it. But then we had twin daughters, so we had a two-year-old son and newborn twins, and that's when that, that live music thing stopped. <laughs> but but anyway, every time that there was a show at my house, at least one member of the band, Cage, would be here. So when I hear Cage songs, I go back and reminisce about you know the things that happened here, like the bass player from cage sleeping on my back porch in February. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting. It's so interesting. Like, you know, the fact that, that you can associate those memories to music and, and we like, we see it happening all the time. Like how many times have we heard of, of fans tattooing lyrics on their bodies because it saved them from a tragic moment. Um, you know, and, so yeah, it's it's really important. It's really important that we shift the narrative in, in society. I am. Um, are you familiar with deck hockey? Mm, I don't think so. Okay, so basically, it's street hockey, okay. except, except you play it on a sport court with boards. So it looks like an ice hockey rink, but it has a, a plastic surface. Well, I it's been probably five years since I played, but I started playing when I was twelve. So twelve to thirty nine. 24 years I played. Wow. No, wait. <laughs> 27. 12 to 39. Yeah, yeah 27 years. <laughs> um, and my goalie mask, I, I got a custom painted. And it was painted with Spider-Man 3 movie poster. So it had a big Spider-Man logo on it. And then on the throat protector, I had a Batman logo. And Spider-Man and Batman are my favorite two two bands. I love that. And then on the chin cup which is the part that comes down and protects your chin yeah it said i deny which everybody thought was me saying that i'm going to stop you from scoring a goal but really what it was was the band cage a second version of the band oh. cage had a song called i deny so i combined my love for superheroes my love of deck hockey and my love of local music <laughs> in my goalie mask <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> but wow um Hey, I have two more questions for you. Sure, let's do it. <laughs> um, what advice would you give to rising artists if you could only give them like what? What is the most important thing you would tell them they have to take care of? Most important thing. I think m- most important thing is understanding like who they are as artists and like the message that they want to put out into the world because then from there they can they can create the offers from there they they know what fans target um so instead and this is like the part that people kind of like to skip over you know it's like oh this busy work i don't want to think about this right now <laughs> you know I, it'll eventually it'll come to me but if you can actually just take some time like slow down for a minute Take some time, figure out who you are as an artist, figure out your values, um, figure out what you actually want to do with your music, and then everything's going to be a lot smoother. You'll know who to attract. You'll know you'll know um, 
other artists to collaborate with, other bands to collaborate with, everything else will be so much easier. I, and and it, when you're using social media, there's tons of analytics. Yeah. And when I look at my analytics, it tells me that my, my listeners are me. It's my age bracket. It's male. Um, so, yeah, that's to happen. <laughs> so, you know, knowing your audience is really, really important in anything that you're doing in social media. Um, Absolutely. So that, you know, so it goes right along with what you're saying. And, and it's part of the reason that, that I've brought you on and why I brought Monica on for next episode is to give these bands a little bit of insight as to what, what they should be doing to get themselves heard. And we just had a question pop up from a band member. Yeah, I just saw it. <laughs> oh, that's a, cool. You can yep. put it up here. From a marketing perspective, what is the best advice you can give local artists trying to grow their band? From our, um, hmm. So what I would do, Nolan, I would just get really clear on the end goal. So like, you know, local artists, if the goal is to just become known in your city, then or like in the local area, local bars and, and clubs and stuff like that, um, I would just like, I would figure out the end goal and then reverse engineer. So if you're just trying to be known locally, start going after like the hashtags for like your city, start going on the geotags for your city, um, look for like, this is on Instagram, then on Facebook, look for groups um in your city that support music and support live music especially and try to like become kind of like present in those pools um just make sure that when you are doing this that you're not going to like other music groups because what happens is a lot of the times artists will think that they're getting their music out there because they join like independent artists unite or something like this and what happens is that they're putting their music in a room full of other artists or musicians that they're not really going to care. So, um, so yeah, get really clear on your goal and get clear on your ideal fans and then think about where they're hanging out online and offline and show up in those places. So it took a little while, but someone, someone popped in with the question. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Since we, you've been talking about goals and, and reverse engineering to, to get yourself to that goal, when you started Fame Hackers, what was your initial goal and and how how has it progressed for you? Amazing question. When I started Fame Hackers, I actually started it as um, under the name Hollywood Socials. And my initial thing was to be another marketing agency. And I was helping artists. I was helping studios and, and music schools do, um, like with their marketing. Like I was doing done for you marketing services. But then I started realizing that's not the end goal. <laughs> I realized that marketing is not really helping artists. What's helping, what would actually help artists is to um, make sure that they have their foundation in place, make sure that they have their offers, make sure that they're clear on the audience and stuff like that. So when I did the name change um, to Fame Hackers, like at that point, I just knew that it had to be more of a coaching educational portal than done for you services oh yeah absolutely nolan like you know um just feel free to reach out to me if you get stuck along the way um but yeah no that was a great question thank you for asking um and last um what where does it go from here so what what's your plan as 2021 unfolds so it's a great question um what I'm doing with, with Fame Hackers right now, so I, I started creating more um, content and more programs. So last year, I was only doing one-on-one. This year, I've already created the one-on-one, the five-day training, um, a group coaching, um, and I'm still going to create so much more still. So the idea is to kind of make Fame Hackers into like this educational resource where it's kind of more of a teach a band how to fish if you will <laughs> you know <laughs> um and, and yeah like the, the whole goal behind it is just that it's it's more of a knowledge-based platform it's funny i already recorded the next episode with monica and she used that give give a person a fish yeah, like or no she did the um 
the reason I'm hesitating here is I work in a Catholic school and I'm going to mess this up, but where, <laughs> where Jesus took the, the water and turned it to wine and took the yeah. fish and made enough fish. I can't remember what that is in the Bible and I'm going to hear about it. But so <laughs> both of you basically said the same thing and, and are similar in, in the market that you're working in. <laughs> so I found that, that I, I just liked that it. it came up both times. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But Honestly, like that's such an important avenue to go down because there's not a lot in the music space. There's at least not a lot of of um, up to date or credible sources. I see this all the time, so that it's really really important to like educate people because then you know knowledge is power. So then you don't fall prey to like bad marketing scams or there's so much nonsense that happens that could have been avoided. I know for. I keep saying my podcast, there's this one that you're on the Pennsylvania rock show. Then I have another one called three questions in a song. And then I have one that is a series that depends on the Pittsburgh music scene. Um, That one is, there's a concert series called the SOS PGH concert series, and it's raising money for the Neva emergency relief fund. So that one I don't see that one progressing too far, but we're going to have nine episodes at the end of April. So wow. each, each time there's a concert the week before or the night before the concert, I do an interview that is either with the artist or someone who's involved with the concert series, just sort of as a reminder that, Hey, there's a concert tomorrow. <laughs> um, but when I, when I mentioned when I started the Pennsylvania rock show, it was a live radio st- radio show with bands playing live and basically a party in my house that we recorded and sent out live. Um, <laughs> when it got to the point that it had to become a podcast, then I had to learn. <laughs> I had to go and do research and find out how to make this work and, you know, how to figure out who my audience is and how to cater to my audience and how to get it heard on these various stations throughout the world that I have ended up on. And the one website that, that helped me tremendously, and I don't mention it hardly ever is a website called the, the audacity to podcast. So if anybody is out there trying to start a podcast, I suggest you look that one up, the audacity to podcast.com. It's phenomenal. And That's basically he does, he does for podcasting what you're trying to do with social media and bands. No, that's, that's absolutely amazing. How do you, how do you feel now with the transition between podcast and radio? So <laughs> I kind of do both. Um, it's the one thing that doing both does is it forces me to edit more than I would if it was just a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the band that I interviewed earlier tonight used some words that can't be on the radio. <laughs> um, but I, I'm really like the way the interview is going right now, you know, we're back and forth. We're having a conversation. That's really how all three of my podcasts work. Um, although normally I ask some off the wall questions. Um, <laughs> in fact, since you ask, I'm going to have to give you an off the wall question. Um, all right. Let's... <laughs> I, it's definitely when, when it's shifted to the podcast then I had to learn how to upload it, how to create an RSS feed, how to create a website that created the RSS feed. And then I had to learn how to submit to iTunes and Spotify and Google podcasts and the millions of other podcast directories that there are. Um, A lot. (laughs) But Whereas if it's just a radio show that's on streaming stations, that's easy. You just give them the file and they play it. Um, but it's, there's more work now than there was initially. When I just did it live, I played it live. That was the end of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now there's like post-production in a way. Right. All right. So now I'm going to give you a crazy question and then I'll let you go for the night. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is All right. He- if I was flipping through a social studies book and I found you in that social studies book, what would the topic on that page be? Ooh, that's a really interesting question. 
social studies. Um, you know what? I just came up with something really creative. <laughs> um, so kind of like playing along the lines of of teach a band how to fish. Um, I would just do something along the lines of uh, mm, trying to. I was trying to think of a pun, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah, nothing's coming to me for puns. But essentially, I would just say maybe like private chef turn to or private chef teaching artists how to cook up their music careers how's that <laughs> i like it <laughs> uh, yeah that pun came out at the end kind of yeah i mean it, it really is like such an uh um interesting question because i don't think i've ever thought of something like that but it definitely put me in the sense of like what's my story what have i done and what's the legacy mm-hmm that's an amazing That's, question. I, I tend to ask questions that really you would hear in a regular interview, just not the same way that they yeah. ask them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but all right, so this has been episode number 563 of the Pennsylvania Rock Show. With me tonight was Izzy from the Fame Hackers. It's thefamehackers.com. For those of you in bands that are struggling, especially during the pandemic, uh, you can check out her website and find out um, some information on how to get your music heard and how to get your following built on social media. Um, make sure you check us out each and every Friday, um, starting at 6 a.m. If you want to check out just the podcast, if you want to hear it on the streaming radio station, that's at 8 p.m. on buildthescene.com. You can also find our full radio schedule on that page as well. Um, I want to thank you for hanging out with me, Izzy. Thank you, Bill. This is absolutely amazing. Thank you. And uh, we're going to play some more of the best unsigned rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. And when you hear the voice of John, the American Hilljack Lane, you will know that the episode has ended. But that doesn't mean leave the streaming station, hang out, listen. Uh, the majority of them are unsigned artists. And uh, you can give them a little bit of support by helping um, jack those numbers up on their listens and get them that little bit of royalties that they'll get from that. Um, and then also, you know, when, when their websites are mentioned and, and social medias get mentioned, go check those bands out. Make sure you, as we start opening back up in Pennsylvania, we're at 75% in our venues and restaurants. Again, make sure you go out and support the local music scene. My name is Bill and we'll catch you next week.
This episode of the Pennsylvania Rock Show has ended, but be sure to subscribe to be introduced to more of the best on-sign rock and metal that Pennsylvania has to offer. Don't forget to rate and review the show, and we'll see you on the next episode.